Welcome to Torah Imecha, Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Liat Meyerfeld, and today we'll be studying the book of Yoel, chapter 2. Blow the shofar, sound alarms, this is not a drill. The day of God has come. The second chapter of the book of Yoel describes a great, great army that comes to destroy the Jewish people. This chapter is the main part of the Haftorah that we read on Shabbat Shuvah between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The words of three prophets are included there, the last section from Hosea, then this chapter of Yoel, and concluding with three psukim from Micha. The name of the Shabbat is Shuva, the starting words of Hosea, but the main part of the reading is from here, an intense lastminute.com call for repentance before the imminent destruction. We start in verse 1, blow the shofar in Zion, tiku shofar b'tzion, in every city, says the Malbim, so everyone is warned of the impending doom. The Abarbanel reminds us that the connotation of the shofar, especially for the generations that lived in temple times, was that it was blown for Yovel, the 50th year where everyone would have to leave where they'd been living and return to their original homesteads. How ironic now to blow a shofar, because everyone will also be leaving their homes, but going to exile. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain, Hariu Behel Kochi, Yom Hashem Kikarov, the day of God has come. The people have been warned many times, an enemy will come, they will destroy your land. Even in chapter 1, we heard Yoel describe a plague that would come in the future. And now, now in chapter 2, the wording is in present tense. Although the locusts possibly haven't actually arrived, God's promise is as good as done. There's almost no way back because the locusts are a massive power. Verse 2 starts to set a scene, a day of darkness and gloom. Yom Choshech Vafela. It should be day, but it's dark. Yom Anan Varafel. Dense clouds, dark as soot, hover low on the fields. This day is a day of night. Such a vast army of locusts has never been seen before, and there will never be anything as dark as it again. If darkness isn't scary enough, verse 3 brings us flames and fire, lefanav achla'esh, a devouring fire before them and behind them scorching flames. V'acharav telehet le'ava. You live in a land that was as close to perfection, like the Garden of Eden, kigan eden ha'aretz lefanav, and since you didn't appreciate it, you'll now experience a completely desolate desert, Midbar Shmama. Verse 4 and 5 describe loud galloping horses, the sound of battle. Verse 7 through 9, the locusts scramble up walls into windows. They fill public and private spaces. As individuals, they each have a purpose and together a mighty army. To me comes to mind again the plagues in Egypt, where the Midrash describes each of the vermin and reptiles going wherever they were sent to do the will of Hashem. There's a beautiful midrash describing angels, so to speak, being responsible for each blade of grass growing. So too here, the locusts are described as acting on direct orders. Verse 10, the earth is shaking as the locust descends. The heavens tremble. Sun and moon are darkened and stars withdraw their brightness. Yoel brings extreme adjectives. He wants them to feel, to smell, to hear, to see, like a virtual reality, what will soon be their actual reality. Verse 11, Vashem Natan Kolo. Can you hear it? Hashem is roaring. He's at the head of a vast army that follows him as the entire world functions only at his bidding. It's not random. It's guided by God. And miachilenu, who can endure it? It's unbearable. And yet, verse 12, Hashem. Even now, can you hear it? Can you hear this voice? If you listen, you can hear Hashem calling to you. Shuvu adai Please, please return to me. Perhaps one of the most famous calls to repentance is in verse 13. Tear your hearts and not your clothing, and return to Hashem your God. He is your God, still. 
Tear your hearts and not your clothing. Tearing clothing is an expression of mourning, one that we have till today in many cultures. Perhaps people approached Yoel and said to him, we're in mourning. Should we tear Kriya? Should we rip our clothes as mourners do? And Yoel responds a resounding no. It's better to tear your heart. It's easy to tear your clothing, to have an outward manifestation of improvement. It's relatively simple. Buy the right outfit, dress correctly, you can pass. There was a book published about Jews in Me'asharim by a secular Israeli who lived undercover as an ultra-Orthodox Jew for six years. For six years, he ate only got kosher, grew peyot, put on tefillin daily. Then he came out, wrote his book, and he returned to live the same life as when he went in. He describes that he went in looking for the negative, but came out appreciating them. But it was still them, all those years of external action. And it can even be 80 years. Yochanan Kohen shimesh b'kodesh 80 shana u'basof nesat tzduki. Yochanan was a Kohen that served in the temple for 80 years, and at the end he became a tzduki, a heretic who doesn't believe in the divinity of Torah. The truth is, it was possibly the whole 80 years he was a tzduki. He played the game for 80 years. The Navi says the hardest place to keep Torah and be a Jew is in your heart, for it to really be a part of you internally. And we all know this deep down. It's relatively easy to behave in ways that are expected. We all have masks that we put on, parts that we play. We rush into an engagement party, so excited we can't even take off our coats. But if we would, if we would take off the facade, you'd see I'm still at home. I'm still in pajamas. In my heart, I'm on the couch in my own reality. It's hard to be genuinely happy for someone else. The essence of tshuva that the Navi describes is how to reach inside. Shuvu el Hashem elokechem. If you could do internal work, you can return to Hashem no matter where you've been and how far. Because God remains the same. Merciful, gracious. Patient. With abundant mercy. And God is always willing to change his mind, so to speak, about punishment. He's always ready to call it back. Verse 14 posits a question. Who knows? Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. Who knows? Who returns? Who knows? Who returns? Who leaves a blessing? There's no subject. It's often understood as a question about God. Who knows what God will do? Maybe God will turn around, and bless you. The Malbim offers a different interpretation. Who knows is a question about people. Who knows how to flip their lives around to change destiny? Anybody that knows that, turn around. Go back on your tracks. Regret what you did. Then you'll be a blessing even under the worst of circumstances. Many people feel that there are situations where you can't just turn it around. And that's the problem that the Navi addresses. People feeling that they're stuck. Even if they want to, how to reach inside and despite all the difficulties to fashion our lives to be productive. We see that many people can raise themselves from terrible situations. We're always in awe of those people. And the Navi challenges us. Perhaps it's in our hands to figure out how to turn it around and make the dark place a blessing. Wherever you go, there you are. An old expression now turned into a fashionable meme. Wherever you go, there you are. To me, that means that the place I am spiritually is because I've chosen to be there. As it says in the Gemara Brachot, Hakol bide shamayim chutz mi'irat shamayim. We think we're in control of various aspects of our lives, but we're not. Yoel directs us to the only facet of life that is in our control, where we're often afraid to go. Matters of the heart are the decisions that we actually make. The Pasuk ends, Mincha venesech meal offerings and wine offerings for God. When a person digs deep in hard situations, 
Sometimes we can find wine offerings, but sometimes only flour, the simple makings of a mincha offering. Both offerings are welcome by your personal God if you've brought it from deep inside. A second call to blow a shofar of return in verse 15. Tikru shofar b'tzion. Blow the shofar, gather the people. Kiru atzara. Verse 16 calls on everyone, the elderly and babies, even brides and grooms from their chuppahs. And in verse 17, the Kohanim call everyone to genuinely return so that we won't be taunted by the nations that God isn't with us. It's a similar call that we say in Hallel to call everyone to praise Hashem so that the Jewish people are not taunted. Where is your God? Yoel discusses active participation in the improvement. He says that the same way that disaster strikes everyone and no one's immune from the most righteous to those that perhaps aren't so righteous, from the wisest to the foolish, old and young. The participation of the entire Jewish people in rebuilding themselves is a group endeavor, a national effort that requires everyone's participation. No one can say, I'm pious, I'm smart, I'm okay, I'm in good shape. I have no obligation to do anything about this. It's nothing to do with me. Yoel describes that they should take the elders, the children, the babies, chassins and kalas, kohanim, those that you specifically would think did not have anything to do with the destruction. But he tells us that it's a national effort and everyone has to participate. Because if everyone has excuses and everyone is busy and no one does anything, then the Jewish people go under. Rabbi Beryl Wine, in his contemporary prophetic way, teaches that we're living this challenge of Yoel today. The locusts came and destroyed everything. So now, he describes, we need to have a town meeting and we're going to decide to rebuild everything. The first response is to build externally, but the ultimate rebuilding we need to decide to do is from the inside, not the outside. Rabbi Wine describes us as the next generation after post-Holocaust rebuilding. Immediately after the war, people made great efforts to rebuild physically in Israel, communities around the world, and now we have to rebuild the inside, and that's much harder, both as individuals and our feelings of unity as a nation. A state is easier to build than a state of mind. That struggle still rages, and that's the great mess wrestling match that the Jews have with themselves. That's the essence of Israel. Verse 18, Hashem will have mercy on the people. The Navi is telling us that the reaction of the Jewish people to disaster must be for the people to gather together to build, to strengthen ourselves and others and recover from what happened, because only then God will have mercy on us. In verse 19, till the end of the chapter, Hashem responds and also makes commitments and promises to us, the Jewish people, promises with a messianic quality to them. If the Jewish people will respond, then Hashem will respond. I'll give you physical prosperity, food to eat. After the locusts came, there was nothing, but I will pour upon you a bountiful produce. No longer will you be a source of embarrassment to the nations. People won't say nasty things about you. You won't be the core of insults. You won't be shamed. In verse 20, Yoel brings up a tzfoni, the one from the north. I will drive the northerner far from you. I will thrust it into a parched and desolate land. Who is this tzfoni, translated as northerner? The simple explanation is it's enemies that come from the north. I'll remove them, the northern enemies, and they will no longer oppress you. But in the world Tzfoni, Chazal saw the word Tzafun, hidden. What is hidden I will eradicate. I will remove the hidden enemy, Hashem promises, the bitterness, depression, the Yetzirah, all those that undo, that undo us from hidden deep inside. They will be taken away. Chazal say that there is this negativity hidden in a person's heart, and then it spreads and it's dangerous illness, worse than a physical illness, because physical illnesses can easily heal. 
But if the illness is in you, not just in you, but sitting in a vulnerable place on your heart, then it's a terrible danger. It's a terrible, excuse me, it's a terrible danger. That's the tzfonim. Phony is also found in tzfonim. That's a pun, but it's in us, the hypocrisy that's within us. Hashem says, if you try, I'll try too. I'll distance this hidden enemy and give you immunity, and you'll be able to remove it from yourselves. Verse 27 is the finale of the chapter, describing the final goal. You will know that I am within the Jewish people. I am truly, deeply your God. There are no other gods, no other powers in this world. We will have nothing to be shameful of. There'll come a time when the Jewish people will not fear for their physical future. We won't be afraid of conceptual recurring locusts, and we will choose to live in peace with our God. Thank you for studying together. Li'ilui Nishmat, Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat, Alexander Sander.